This episode is dedicated to Gary McKinnon. While he is still very much alive, I hope, we hope that many others follow in his footsteps and bring us the information we so desperately need in order to continue on with the fight. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, everyone like him. Thank you for listening to the Secret Society of Stuff with Robin Shatt. Ladies and gentlemen of the radio public, tonight, the heaviest show you'll ever see. Here's your list of charges. You hacked into the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Department of Defense, and NASA, amongst other things. Why? I was in search of suppressed technology, UFO technology. I think it's the biggest kept secret in the world. Um, but it's a very important thing. We've got old age pensioners can't pay their fuel bills. Um, we've got countries being invaded um, to get award oil contracts to the West. And uh, meanwhile, the secret government is sitting on uh, suppressed technology for free energy. I felt like um, this free energy technology that I was after should be publicly available. Um, we're using anti-gravity and reverse engineered technology that came from captured UFO craft. We're using anti-gravity? Yeah. Right now? Who's using anti-gravity? Um, secret compartmented parts of the government. And uh, I think we're being trickle-fed um, by the various defense contractors. Unlike the press would have you believe, it wasn't very clever. Um, I searched for blank passwords. Um, I wrote a tiny Perl script in the Perl language that tied together other people's programs and searched for blank passwords so you could scan 65,000 machines in just over eight minutes. You might find typically 5,000 might be live. And out of that, 500 might be Windows machines, then 50 might have black administrator passwords. Um, I was searching for files and evidence in relation to the UFO question. Over what kind of period were you hacking into these computers? Was it a one time only? Was it oh, no, over the course of a week? <clears throat> a couple of years. Uh, I wasn't doing any damage. Uh, I wasn't making their security poorer because the administrator password was already blank, so the door was already open. Um, did you find what you were looking for? Yeah. What did you find inside this? Uh, one of these people was a uh, NASA photographic expert, and she said that in Building 8 of Johnson Space Center, um, they regularly airbrushed out images of UFOs from the high-res satellite imagery. And using the same blank password hunting technique, I got down to Building 8, um, got a few blank passwording machines there, and what she said was there, was there, there was fil uh, folders called filtered and unfiltered or processed and raw, something like that. Um, I got one picture out of the folder, bearing in mind this is a 56k dial-up, um, a 235 megabyte picture, and if you're talking five minutes a megabyte, obviously un impossible to download. Uh, also in a NASA proprietary image format, not a GIF or a JPEG or anything. So using the remote control program, I turned the color down to four-bit color, and the screen resolution really, really low, and even then this picture was still, you know, juddering and coming onto the screen. But what came onto the screen was amazing. It was a culmination of all my efforts. It was a picture of something that definitely wasn't man-made. Um, it was above the Earth's hemisphere. It was kind of looked like a satellite. It was cigar-shaped, which was quite strange. It had um, geodesic domes above, below, to the left, to the right, and both ends of. It was very close up. Um, this thing was hanging in space. The Earth's hemisphere was visible below it. And um, those seams, none of the stuff associated with normal man-made manufacturing. I didn't think I'd be caught, you know, three quarters of the way through of looking at the first picture I'd looked at. So you were cut off while you were looking at this picture. Mm. A few months later, you were caught. What happened on that day? They said, oh, you might get six months or so community service. Next thing I know, six months has turned into 60 years.
in an American jail. Also, they say for it to be an extraditable offence, it has to be worth a year in prison. For it to be worth a year in prison, it has to be $5,000 worth of damage. And as if by magic, lo and behold, every machine I'm on is $5,000 worth of damage. Is that possible? No, over here, I'm sure it probably cost about um, $500. These are military so, PCs. Military PCs, but so there's a good chance that they're low standard. If they weren't standard, they wouldn't have had blank passwords connected to the internet and been running Windows. Thank you for listening to the Super Secret Society of Super Dickens Stuff with Rob and Chad. insurance at this point and you know what you don't have insurance you might as well fucking go ahead and die because you're either going to pay for it or your family has one after the fact yeah welcome to the land of the free huh (laughs) (laughs) the land of the whopper remember remember that halloween when they when they used that that black food dye that made everyone shit blue green it was green Uh, uh, the land before time what what does that have to do with what, what do you mean the land before time. I remember the, the show, the cartoon about the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> land. Goddamn, dude. All right, anyway. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> There's dumbasses setting up GoFundMe trying to uh, regain Kanye's billionaire status. Oh, because of his easy thing, yeah. Well, you know what? You can't not be an anti-Semite until you're at least a little bit an anti-Semite. Does that make sense? I mean, I hate to say 
the uncomfortable truth here, but you can't be anything until you at least adopt it partially enough to understand it. There is an addendum to this. There are a few things that you don't have to experience to know that they're bad. And those should be hard, fast laws in any culture. Killing another human being for sport or compulsion, really for any reason at all. Even killing other killers should be outlawed. The reason for this is in a country where it says on the dollar bill, in God we trust, in the Bible, when Cain killed Abel, did God kill Cain? No. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just, you know, practice what you preach, right, America? Uh, I, I forgot what I was saying. Something about being able to, or the, something about cane, sugar cane or something. I don't know. I've got terrible ADHD. But anyway, I lay down, you know, and close my eyes and see this shit. And I have this voice in my head say something about, you know, it's all about love. I open my eyes and look back toward the closet. and The lead singer of 311 in your closet? Amber wasn't the color of its energy. It was green. Sure sounded <laughs> like God damn it. This, of course, brings to mind the old conspiracy theory that 311 was a totally racist band. If you take the 11th letter of the alphabet and say it three times... 11. Well, you can do it in your head. I don't know if this is a hoax or a coincidence. Who gives a shit? But it seems like Tony was right that there are deep veins of anti Semitism running through some of this anomalous research, though I can't be certain if it's because of the anomalous research or simply because people are just racist. They say that everybody's a little racist. I don't know. I do know that all unhealthy behaviors have to be purged through experience and hard-won knowledge. So so I, I watched this thing again. You know, it starts glowing and it's getting brighter and dimmer again. So I, I can't make out that what's there is there. So I turn my light back off. It stops. So I close my eyes again, and I open them back up and look, and I see it start glowing again. Just getting brighter, dimmer, brighter, dimmer, you know. So I get up, and there's a UV flashlight beside my bed, and I grab it. And I walk over towards the closet and turn it on and lift it up, and I see this Spyro Skylanders figure. It's purple, got the glowing green base, you know, the bottoms, the skull shape. I don't even know how it got there or really even where it came from. But <laughs> I'm sure it was one of my kids, but yeah, I didn't stick it up there. Okay, god damn it. So he's telling me a story which I'm assuming is a UFO story. <laughs> but what, what the story is about is he got scared in the middle of the night because there was a light, a battery light, blinking on and off, which he assumed was anomalous. So he went and checked, turned on the light, the blinking light was gone, then... Uh, he got his UV light and turned it on, and it was uh, what I thought when I was listening to the story was like this creature that looked like a Pokemon creature, but it was just a Pokemon. Yeah, 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 here's where it gets better. So at that point, I'm, you know, I reach up there and look at it, you know, and I, and I pivot with the light on, 
And as I pan across the room and walk across the side of the bed, I turn toward the bathroom and go to turn the light off and put it back on the nightstand, and I see... <laughs> the lead singer of three lines. <laughs> no. <laughs> I seen what kind of little... It was, it was short. It was probably about the size of my five-year-old or six-year-old son get, goes back toward the bathroom. And I'm like, what the fuck? What, what the fuck? I felt just this rush of fucking fear, you know? I put the flashlight down, I lay down, I close my eyes, and I have to piss really bad, and I open my eyes and realize I can barely move. And everything in the room is blurry and looks fucked up. So I turn and manage to drag myself off the bed and stand up, and my knees and shit are like locked up, it seemed. I could barely fucking move. And I pick the flashlight back up and turn it on and point it toward the bathroom. And about that time, the bedroom door opened. And I went and sat down, and when I got back up, the vision distortion shit quit, and the joints and stuff started somewhat working, and I laid down, and I felt like hell. I don't know what the fuck happened to that. Rob, I think that you should... Can you play the guitar or any kind of instrument? I can play bass a little bit. You used to be able to sing. You your bass out. And anytime you have an experience, you put it into a song. Last night, someone was in my closet. And, and everybody loves this song. Last night, someone was in my closet. There was bioluminescence in my kind of thing. How, how much of this do you think is related to your tumor? Fuck if I know. I just know... Other people have experienced the shit and seen enough of the lights in the sky and, you know, the sleep paralysis figures at the foot of the bed. Has anybody in your family experienced this besides you? Yeah. Tell me about that. My 19-year-old son, Jacob, he woke up with lights outside his window. and He's seen lights in the sky, you know, sleep paralysis type shit happening and have figures at the end of the bed or shadows outside the window and they're breathing, felt like something was on his chest one time, just all kinds of random crazy shit. How personal are these experiences to you? You know, it seems forefront on your mind most of the time, and you get depressed when it stops. Not anymore. Now I just hurt all the fucking time, and uh, I just stay down now. When did that start? Uh, probably when me and you tried to record with that Ryujin guy that won that from Street Fighter? Uh, I don't feel like going into it. we got other shit to talk about, Chad. I'm starting to hurt again. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, all right. Let's get into it. Get into it. Get into it. Get into it. Thank you for listening to the Super Secret Society with Gar Junkasaurus Rav and First Place Science Fair Volcano Project Man Chad. I sent uh, Rob, I think, a picture from the Aztec site this weekend. as March of 1948 at Hart Canyon. I can't remember what the weather was like that day, but I'm sure it's written down somewhere. It's nearing the end of winter, so it's still probably in the 40s, lows in the 20s. It's probably 300 miles to Roswell. But that craft had been followed for at least 100 miles by a policeman down in Cuba, New Mexico. It had been traveling from near Los Alamos because there's the Jemez Mountains there. 
that are right at the edge of Cuba. So when he picked it up, it was already wobbling and and he just decided to follow it and it took him all the way to the crash site. And research shows that there was a recovery there. Well, it was almost like a controlled landing. So there wasn't a uh, debris field like in Roswell. The intact figured out how to disassemble it that way they could truck it to, I believe, Los Alamos. Lazar fits into it because he's of his uh, knowledge of Los Alamos having worked there. There's always been that, that veil of secrecy since I was a child. People have tried to uncover it, and some people have been able to, uh, especially Scott and Suzanne Ramsey, they have the best archive of, of information on, on the Aztec crash. What does that archive contain, do you think? Uh, secret, top secret, confidential. They're located in North Carolina these days. But Suzanne is, is pretty much from Aztec. Her father was a chiropractor here. Did you know that in the, um, the scientific dictionary, uh, chiropractic, uh, chiropractic, I don't know how you say it, is considered a pseudoscience, just like ufology? Didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I was I blinked three times when I heard that. <laughs> not even. I'm not into bone crackers. They make me hurt. I guess that's one of those people yeah. say they're not real doctors, you know. Yeah, people crack on uh, chiropractors, not doctors. And <laughs> I had one pop my neck, and I'm like, no, nah, we, we ain't doing this. <laughs> that takes me back to the the Aztec crash. There was actually a a military base that was close by that people have, you know, totally forgotten about. And helicopters weren't part of the norm in those days. And the people that first discovered the disc up there on the Mesa were actually called out on, on a oil well fire, which there was an oil well fire, but it wasn't something that was going to threaten what are called drip tanks that were filled with gasoline that was watered that had to be refined. But some people that were working out there called these other people up there, and pretty soon some other people started coming. Well, they hadn't been there that long, and by the time the sun had come up, there was a Army helicopter that uh, kind of surveyed the area. Didn't land, but went back to the, the base there near Durango, Colorado. That That is archival knowledge. You know, it's not that far of a drive, but the road, uh, a lot of it is, is really rough. And I started hitting rough spots. So I could, it's really odd is there's a road that they cut on one side to get to the retrieval site. That road is pretty much washed out from rains uh, over the past few years. And it hasn't been fixed. Most roads are maintained. But the easy access to the crash site, that road is inaccessible. Huh. While I was doing that filming, mountain bikers were cruising right through the crash site. Uh, so they have a, a bike trail out there that's really popular. It's called the Alien Bike Run. And it goes right through the crash, right up to the crash site. They said that uh, it took the rancher you know, a day, a full day to traverse, or two days or something like that, to traverse back to the site 
and that's why it took so long to be discovered. It, do you, can can do you see that when you picture where it is? No, but I don't know exactly where the ranch house was back up in there. Uh, there's an oil field road that has been there for years, and and the old maps show it. And part of the debunk. Uh, There's so many different, you know, versions. Like you, that Roswell happened first. The government or people like Richard Doty said that Roswell was actually. There was only two. It was Roswell and the Aztec crash, but there was also the crash at Corona. I mean, I don't. I, I, it's hard for me to put the pieces together for myself. I'm Richard Doty. I was assigned as a special agent with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations at Kirtland Air Force Base. I was a counterintelligence officer at the base. My first few months there, I was briefed into a special access program involving the U.S. government's investigation and contacts with extraterrestrials to Earth. Uh, my primary mission, I probably 60% of my time, was dealt to that, to investigating uh, the UFO sightings and any threats and posed by these extraterrestrials on Air Force or Air Force-related property. I was read into the project in the summer of 1979. The briefing was a special access program. I have a special security clearance to have access to it. I was briefed into it by an Air Force colonel uh, from Washington who came down and briefed myself and a couple other people into this program. Um, how do I say this? Because uh, there's still some classifications involved in this, I think. so. The code name that I was briefed into it was Yankee Black, but that was the program's briefing. It wasn't necessarily the UFO's program. Uh, Yankee White was uh, access to the White House, and Yankee Black was the access that you would have to have to get into this program or right into the program. The briefing started with a history, and it started out with a crash at Roswell. The, the crash didn't actually happen at Roswell. It happened uh, closer to Corona, New Mexico. Uh, southwest of Corona, New Mexico, and a second uh, crash site that occurred uh, in uh, Magdalena or Horse Mesa out west of, of Magdalena, New Mexico, uh, which wasn't located at the same time the Roswell crash was in 47. The crash in Magdalena wasn't located until about 49. They showed us a, uh, I believe a 16-millimeter movie on the recovery. The narrator of the movie, obviously the movie was classified, had to classify the narrator in the movie detailed approximately when the crash occurred in, in the uh, latter part of June of 1947 and the recovery, showing uh, military personnel recovering the bodies at the site and uh, one live extraterrestrial was, was found at the site. And we were told that the extraterrestrial went to Kirtland Field, Kirtland Air Force Base at that time, and then on to Los Alamos for some time. It didn't explain fully in the movie exactly what happened to that extraterrestrial, although it did explain that it died in 1952. But the, the bodies of the extraterrestrials that were found at the scene were in a deep freeze, placed in a deep freeze, and sent to Wright Pat Field in uh, Dayton, Ohio. Now, the craft was more or less an over egg-shaped craft. It wasn't saucer-shaped. The creatures were about four foot. Some of the creatures were uh, uh, mangled, and their bodies were, were torn apart. Two of the bodies were pretty much intact, but the creatures didn't appear to have any ears. They had an indentation for the nose, very, very big eyes. They had a really tight-fitting suit, almost looked like they were uh, nude. The fingers had no thumbs, just four fingers suction devices on their tips of their fingers. One of them had a, 
a head apparatus on them, maybe a helmet or a, some type of a device that they were communicating with with the craft or with, with something else. <clears throat> and they found uh, a number of different objects in the craft that they used, uh, that they experimented with and found. They had a, a piece of, they thought with plexiglass, it was a square piece, a rectangular piece of a plexiglass that they kept for years before they figured out it was the energy device for the craft. I read a document in, in Washington that explained the U.S.'s under, or U.S. scientists' understanding of what this was. It was an energy device that, uh, that used a zero-point energy. That's what they referred it to, a zero-point energy. And it was connected in such a manner that this device could power from a very small flashlight or a very small watch up to a city. And the uh, power was determined by what the demand on it was. And so each craft had one of these. The, the craft that crashed in Morris Mesa out west had a, a larger energy device than the one found in Corona. And I don't think they understand why, but it operated in the same manner. Then they showed us the recovery of, of the craft in 1949 in Horse Mesa. And that craft had uh, crashed at the same time the 47 craft crashed. But because of the remoteness of that location, it w wasn't detected until a, a rancher found it on his property in, in 49. And they did a recovery project on that craft, but the bodies were decayed. There wasn't much left of the bodies, but the craft was the same type of craft that was found near Corona. It was an oval-shaped craft, but it had damage to it. And I think the opinion of the scientists were the two crafts crashed for some reason, which uh, was never explained. One of the things that is quite disgusting if you, if you, for the people who've ever been briefed in this program is there's not much out there that's actual factual. Uh, the UFO community disinforms themselves. People go out there and write books without any facts. 90% uh, of everybody that writes these books, these authors, had never been in the military, never worked for the intelligence community, never had a security clearance, and they're just relying on second, third, and fourth-hand information to write a book says the literal disinformation spy who infiltrated one of the world's largest UFO congresses so that he could influence key members to follow a narrative that the government was feeding to Doty all along. Sounds pretty disgusting to me. The craft was exactly the same as the Corona craft. Exactly the same. And the damages... They showed in this movie, they showed sketches of the crafts together. Anybody with a logical mind can see that these crafts crashed together. It was a, it was a storm in that time period when they crashed. The two crashes have been separated by some people and then discounted by others within the UFO community. It was about uh, 35 foot in diameter. The interior craft didn't have any actual levers uh, or flight control systems that we would identify as a flight control system or avionics that we would identify as flight avionics. Uh, totally unknown devices in the craft, uh, the steering mechanisms. But they eventually, I think, over some time figured it out. And it was done all by hands. Uh, the, 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 the creatures would put their hands on controls and they'd have this headset on. And this headset would somehow control or, or help them control the aircraft. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. Like, like, um, 
like, like a bunch of fucking alien nerds. And the avionics were very, very sophisticated avionics uh, that uh, it took us years, I think, to figure it out. And I was never briefed into that, so I can't, I can't talk. I don't know anything about that. Yo, motherfucker. Uh, what are you doing, dude? Wait, R- Rob, hang on for a second. Girls. Thank you for listening to the Secret Society of Stuff. With Rob. With Rob. With Rob. And 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 Chad. Chad. <laughs> I crossed over a thousand followers on Twitter the other day. Who? Who has over a thousand followers? I do. You do? How many did you have prior to the uh, to the podcast? Um, uh, maybe like a couple or three or so. Not many. Uh. Listen, what's what's going on with Dan Lewandowski? Why is he ignoring all of my 100,000 texts that I send him every day? What are you doing? Why aren't you answering my text messages? Not just you. He's a young dude, fucking probably not married, fucking hanging out with chicks every night. He is not. He, is not. he, he has kids. Fuck out of Dan. You, you would what, Dan? I said I envy the fuck out of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how old Dan is. I think early 30s, maybe. I put myself back to when I was like in my late 20s, and I think if some dude in his 40s kept calling me and talking to me about UFOs and trying to get me to get onto a, a recording about UFOs, I don't know what I would think, but it certainly wouldn't be good. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I would have thought, like, this dude's definitely trying to fuck me, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I had to jump in my Jeep. I've got to go pick up my uh, granddaughter. Hey, you know, it's funny. You, you were talking about whales earlier. I designed a T-shirt with a whale on it. That's whale, you just hurry up. over for the woman already. Technology. I'm tired and I want to go to bed I had a little drink about an hour ago And it's gotten right to my head Wherever I may roam By land or sea or foam Season 3 of The Society Stuff will resume the Irish Stuff. For a rendezvous With the bitch that for the goodie And the dungeon crew Let's say her name is Susie Screw Cause she screwed a lot Making a nigga hit that chunk At legitimate spots Not no parks, back seats And things of that nature Had to hate your player I'm digging the hoe down Never said I paid her Straight later Slayed the bitch like Darth Vader Made her from Collie Park and fed All the way down to the cater Like Jada Her rib was sharp and spotty That was shouty Saved the snake on eggs And a beam of 840 It's foggy I went to the crib to call her But she lost me My baby mama beat me Seven o'clock is gonna cost me But I still wanna cut her dope Maybe she had to work 
I called her in the mall, women a real tight skirt She was fine as fuck, I wanted to sex the hoe up She said, let's hit the parking lot so I can sick your duck I said, cool, I really wanted to cut you, but this a do I gotta pick up my daughter, plus my baby mama beat me too She said she understood and everything was kosher I gave her a little wheel CD and a fucking poster It's like that now And a very, very big welcome to the Electric At the Electric Circus. As you know, at, at the Electric Circus, we feature the more progressive type of music. So in keeping with our policy, we decided to host an evening of free expression. The Electric Circus has always been the home of the underground. Now the word underground is a very, very overworked adjective, and people tend to misinterpret its meaning. Now we define the term underground, when applied to music, as a feeling which transpires between the performer and the listener. Ladies and gentlemen, the underground. The underground. The underground. The underground. The underground. Three ads? Wow. All right. well, seems kind of greedy, but fuck it. Nah, I won't make you guys listen to that many ads, but y'all can listen to the one. Hey, Rob, I got your message about the ads. Yeah, um, yeah, three's probably pushing it, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, let's put three. One at the beginning and two at the end. 
Um, you know, there's no way for us to tell if somebody's going to fucking actually listen to these goddamn things all the way through. But people are fucking gullible, man. Just, you know, promise them something. Tell them there's a big secret prize at the end of it. You know, the two ads. Oh, but you know what, though? That we can't, we can't have more than one type of ad. So they would be listening to the exact same ad twice. And that's like a three-minute ad. Like six minutes of the same bullshit is pushing it again. So I think pushing it twice might push it over the cliff. Um, I don't know. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Um, you can put your answer after the, the two ads. Bye. If you're here for your prize, you can download the Wisdom app. And type in Secret Society. That's the username of our account there. We do weekly talks. Secret Society. That's uh, that's our name. It's a secret Society of Stuff is Anchor. Secret Society is Wisdom. So hopefully that'll give you a little bit more content. Um, Merry Christmas. I tell myself that I'll release some sort of a Christmas special, but, you know... I have the attention span of, like, a coked-out stripper in a dark room full of strobe lights. Um, so, anyways, Merry Christmas. That's my gift to you. Wisdom app, and uh, it's um, at Secret Society, or Secret Society is our, is our username. Have a good one. Bye.